You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Oge Ogwe, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. Praise the Lord. All right. Happy New Month. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Happy New Month. Bless you. All right, let's get into it. We're going to be doing a teaching series titled The School of Prayer. It's a very interesting teaching series. And um, we want to learn about prayer in the month of July. Praying by precept and by example. If you will turn your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 28. We're going to read verse 9 to 10. Isaiah chapter 28. We're going to read verse 9 to 10. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Isaiah chapter 28. We're going to be reading from verse 9 to 10. Is it up on the screens? All right. It says, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? It says, Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. For precept upon pre- precepts must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. He says, Whom shall he teach doctrine? It says, They that are weaned from the breasts. You see, as a believer, the moment you receive the life of Christ, the next thing you ought to run after is knowledge. Knowledge. You ought to go after a knowledge of doctrine. Because there is no Christian growth without doctrine. Praise the Lord. Every true search for God, for a relationship with God, must be guided by doctrine. Doctrine is so important because it saves you. Paul was speaking to, I think it was Timothy, that he says you should pay attention to these wholesome words. He says, because by them you will save yourself and the people who are listening to you. Doctrine saves. Why? Because when you have doctrine in place, you avoid errors that may come because of overzealousness. Praise the Lord. Say doctrine. Doctrine. The Christian faith must be shepherded by good teaching, by good doctrine. You might be a great pastor, but until you are great at doctrine, you are not a good... Do you get what I'm saying? You might love your people with all your heart, but that's not what qualifies you as a pastor. It's great to love your people. You ought to. As good as that is, the first point of judgment when it comes to pastoral care is, does he care enough for you to teach you good doctrine? You know, this morning... I, I was, while I was studying, I stumbled on a YouTube video, and um, this was, the pastor said, God is pro-life. You know, there's been this entire debate about pro-choice and pro-life. Uh, where do I stand? You will know in a bit. God is pro-life, 
Uh, because the Bible says, I live, um, um, he has come that we may have life and have it more abundantly. So God is pro-life. That's a very, very silly way to, to think. But he now said, but did you know that God is pro-choice too? And you know, we must never, as Christians, excuse good speaking or replace good speaking with good teaching. Because some people are charismatic. So my guy goes, do you know that God is pro-choice too? Oh, I'm rattling some people's theology. Do I have Bible readers in the house? <laughs> then he goes, the Bible says, I, I lay before you blessings and curses. He says, choose. Do you know how watery that argument is? If you don't know doctrine, you'll be deceived. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah, you'll be deceived. So now imagine someone in the church is like, hmm, does it actually say choose? Ooh, it says choose. So God is pro-choice. Yeah, come on now. <laughs> in case you don't know why that is wrong, context is why it is wrong. You understand? You can't just say anywhere the Bible says God said people should choose. It means he is pro-choice. That means you can go ahead and kill your baby. You know, and uh, let me just speak to it in a bit. I, 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 I don't think it's a black and white issue, but I think there is a gray area, but there's a black and there's a white area. Do you understand? And we don't make principles based on exceptions, and the exceptions lie in the gray area. We must first of all identify what is the black and what is the white, and then make laws that allow the whites not turn to black and the black not turn to white, then we can address the gray areas. Are there ladies who have pregnancies due to rape? Yes. And I don't think anybody, in, in all fairness, will insist that she keeps such a baby. You, you can only advise and say, I'm not for it, but I can't make you keep a baby that will remind you of you know, your trauma. Or are there situations where children tend to be vegetative, um, you know, because maybe they are, they are maldeformed, they are not well formed, you know what I mean? Yes, but statistics have shown that these people make up about one in 20. So one out of every 20 women who walk into an abortion clinic walks into that clinic because of these cases, which means there are other 19 women who walked into the clinic just because they had careless, unprotected sex and got pregnant and they are running away from their responsibility. What did you expect will happen? What did you think will happen? <laughs> so am I pro-life or pro-choice? I'm pro-common sense, right? Just don't kill a child because you don't want to accept the responsibility. And I said to someone, if they pass a law that makes it possible for women to not just abort because they want to, they also ought to pass a law for men not to abandon the woman with the child. If you do that, you should be jailed and castrated. Praise the Lord. Doctrine is important. Doctrine saves you. Hallelujah. Doctrine saves you. And as far as doctrine goes, um, the Bible says all scripture is given by an inspiration of God and is profitable for number one. Number one, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Come on now, second church. Why are you guys cold this morning? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture 
is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for good. It's profitable for doctrine. And so the formation of doctrine is not left to what I think or what you think is left to scripture. I posted something a couple of days ago, actually it was weeks ago on Twitter, and I can't remember what I posted, I can't remember the context of the argument, but I do remember that I tweeted something the Bible says X, Y, Z, and this other guy comes up to say, for me, I think, and I said, when the Bible has said, whatever you think is not valid anymore, he says, well, but in Africa we have a culture, and I said, let me repeat what I said before, when the Bible has said, as long as you are a Christian and it's a matter the Bible has an opinion on, your opinion must become secondary and null where the Bible has an opinion. That's what it means to be a Christian. You have loyalty to the word. So doctrine is not made up. We don't just decide, that, hmm, this is what we start saying now and then we start saying it. You must go through proper study of scripture to come up with a holistic idea of what the Bible's opinion on a subject matter is. And when the Bible has presented an opinion on a subject matter, we take what the Bible has said. Praise the Lord. You see, because I taught you this when I was teaching you on Christian devotion, that what we may think... Um, when the Bible gives us rules and opinions, we may look at those rules and opinions and think that they are prison gates holding us back from having fun and doing things the way we ought to. What we don't realize is that many times they are guardrails stopping us from falling over a cliff. Do you understand? So when the Bible has said, you cannot say, are you following? Yes, sir. So you go to scripture to learn doctrine. And in every matter of Christian devotion, there has to be a doctrinal approach. There must be a doctrinal approach to giving, for instance. Do you understand? It's only a charlatan, a, 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 um, an irresponsible person that will come up and say, um, sew up to go up. That's irresponsible. I can say that because you've not been responsible to handle the, the word of God the way it ought to be handled. You know what I mean? Uh So it's irresponsible to to think that way or to talk that way. There has to be a doctrinal guide. But then at the same time, you are equally irresponsible when you come up and say, the Bible does not teach anything about giving to the saints or giving to your pastor or giving to church. All Bible giving must be done to poor people. You are irresponsible. Do you understand? You must find the balance. And the balance is not, let's meet in the middle. The balance is what the Bible says. If the Bible is extreme right, then your balance is extreme right. If the Bible is extreme left, your balance is extreme left. If the Bible is in the middle, that's where your balance is. Balance is not equal amounts of both sides. Balance is the right amount. Do you understand? Aha. Uh-huh. If I have an entire, you know, drum of water, about 300 liters of water, and then I take one drop of pee and I put it inside. You know, I say, I'm going for balance. Does it make any sense? The right balance is that there's no pee at all in the water. Is that correct? Because if I give you, I just say, just one drop now, 300 liters, one drop. Drink the water, it's clean. Will you drink? Will you drink? Because balance is not equal amounts. Do you understand? When we're talking about balance, we're not talking about representation. That we're now leaving out the pee. The pee is feeling left out. We must fight for equality and equity. (laughs) 
Praise the Lord. On matters of Christian devotion, we are balanced by doctrine. Every matter of Christian devotion. In giving, there is a way. In coming to church, in, in, in the local assembly, the way the local assembly should be run, there is a Bible balance to it. Do you understand? Yes, there is a Bible balance to it. So I, I don't come up, for instance, and I say in our local assembly, nobody else should speak with tongues except the pastors. I once went to a church where the pastor um, um, insisted that that was the way it was meant to be. I wasn't a pastor in that church. But I went to that church for a couple of months. They noted that I was a fervent person and they asked me to lead prayers one day. I'm a very mischievous person, in case you don't know. So I led the prayers in tongues the entire time. So the man now had to come and give an excuse. And you know he's a young pastor. I said, no, I'm not a pastor. I'm a Christian. Every Christian should speak with tongues. There is a way the local assembly should be run. Do you understand? Every Christian in this place, when we gather like this, you can have a word for the next person. There is a way the local assembly should be run. As your pastor, I shouldn't stifle the work of the Spirit in your life. But at the same time, if, you, if I'm preaching and you start up, hey, mama, hey, I will shut you up. The, the logistics team or the protocol people will take you outside. Because in a local assembly, there ought to be order the Bible prescribes. Do you understand? Yeah, I, will, I will actually tell you, shut up, shut, shut up. You know, Papa Hagen did it one time. He was preaching. A woman stood up and started to prophesy. And he told her, you are in the flesh. You are speaking. You just want people to know you can sit down. Sit, hello, sister and Kechi, sit down. Yes. When it comes to matters of Christian devotion, there has to be doctrine. And even in prayer. Do you understand? Prayer, there's nothing about prayer that is instinctive. Did you hear me? You know, there's a mistake we've made. You have, you have a Christian family, everybody's growing up, and then the moment the child learns to talk and is fluent, they share morning devotion for him. Today's your turn to pray. What does he know about prayer? So is prayer not just talking to God? Not really. That's not all there is to it. There has to be a doctrinal guideline for how prayer must be done. And because many of us don't know the doctrines around prayer, we do it wrong. Luke chapter 11 verse 1. Luke chapter 11 verse 1. Are you there? And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So now, you have John the Baptist teaching his disciples how to pray. And then the disciples, and if you read your Bible, you would note that many of Jesus' disciples were once John's disciples. Now, these people who had heard John teach on prayer, they saw Jesus pray. And they're like, we know John taught us a type of prayer, but boy, oh boy, does this guy pray different. And we like the way he prays. So they went to him and said, teach us to pray. Do you understand? They didn't just assume, just copy him. Because many people don't understand that when it comes to prayer, the words that, that you speak are not as important as the system that governs the way you pray. 
Do you understand? So many of you, for those of you who are fervent Christians, or maybe you've, you've desired charismatic ministry, you watched a particular person walk a miracle, and subconsciously you thought to yourself that if I could just say the exact same things this person says when they are, they are flowing in the things of the Spirit, I too will flow like they flow. Because somewhere in your mind you think it's in the arrangement of words, especially because some people are very... They are very skillful with words. Have you heard Dr. Cindy Trim pray before? The woman has a way with words. You know? So you think that's how to pray. They didn't just hear Jesus pray and copy him. They met him and said, teach us to pray. Now the beautiful thing about this is, when there is teaching, there is learning. Where there is learning, there is growth. Do you hear me? It means... That it doesn't matter where your prayer life is. It can be better. Do you understand that? And, you know, let me just put a disclaimer. There is no anointing for prayer. That God anointed me specially to pray. So, if there is no anointing for prayer, if prayer is not a spiritual gift or a ministry gift, then it means that anybody who you see that prays well, learned to pray well. Do you get it? It means that if they learned to pray well, you too can learn to pray well. There's something my pastor always says to me whenever we have conversations, and he, he says it like this. Let me paraphrase. He says that anybody you see that is doing something and is successful at it proves to you that you too, you can do it. And so when you see their success, don't be intimidated by their success, be inspired by it. So the person sitting beside you might be a prayer machine. Praise God. When you just say pray, it's just and then you're just like, ah. you are just, you are struggling with your monosyllabic tongues. Bah, da. Uh, and there's somebody beside you is speaking a whole language. You know, some people pray with the gestures. Like they're actually conversing. Oh, sorry now. <laughs> you two can pray. Hallelujah. If there is a doctrine around it, it can be learned, and where there's learning, there's growth. Praise Jesus. So, this teaching series is going to be taught like a school, like a course in school. So, we're going to call it SOP. The course code is SOP. This is SOP 101, or a school of prayer, SOP 101. SOP 101 is introduction to prayer. SOP 102 is praying in the spirit. SOP 103 is priorities in prayer. SOP 104 is the rules of prayer. And SOP 105 is still within the flow of Holy Ghost meeting. So the fifth Sunday this month, we're going to have a Holy Ghost meeting. And look at all of you. You will pray. <laughs> Amen. What was the first thing Jesus taught about prayer? You know, I wanted to, I wanted to do a different teaching. But I started to think to myself... What was the first thing Jesus ever taught about prayer? You do realize that the Lord's prayer is not a teaching on prayer. Right? Right? Yes, 
for those of you that don't know, the Lord's Prayer, our Father, two times 11, Adobe is your name, is not a teaching on prayer. Did I get it wrong? <laughs> I said it well, right? Uh, that's not a teaching on prayer. Do you understand? Jesus just gave them sort of like a format. Do you understand? But it wasn't, this is what you must say when you pray. Because if it was a teaching on prayer, then you will see the apostles prayed every other time. Are you getting it? Uh huh. So the main teaching in Luke, in Luke 11, was not the Lord's prayer, but it started in verse 5. So Luke 11, 5. Praise the Lord. We're going to pray today. Pastor Finn, I can hear your thoughts. Where's Pastor Finn? Where is he? I can hear your thoughts. <laughs> Luke 11, 5. Oh, uh, that's the spiritual thing. So I said I can hear your thoughts. Because yesterday he was telling me that I'm going to ask you guys to pray today. And I told him, oh, no, it's just going to be a teaching. And he said, you wish. I know you, Pastor. You will pray. We're going to pray. So when I said it in his mind, it was like, I told you so. Luke eleven five. are you there? All right. He says, and he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut and my children are now with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. Verse 8, everybody read together. One, two, go. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, Yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. The first thing Jesus taught his disciples is something called importunity in prayer. In simple English, perseverance. He says, he may not rise and give you because he's your friend. But if you keep disturbing him, he will answer you. So the first thing you must learn about prayer is perseverance. If you don't learn to persevere in prayer, you haven't learned to pray. Jesus did this teaching in another way, using a different story, but coming to the same conclusion in Luke chapter 18 verse 1. He says, he told them a parable to this end that men always ought to pray and not to faint. He says there was a woman who was wronged and there was an unjust judge and she went every day to see the unjust judge and the unjust judge said, see I'm unjust. I don't really care but this woman will not stop disturbing me so let me just answer her. Are you following this? So in one story, it was a guy and his friend. In the other story, it was a woman and an unjust judge. One was, was friends with the other person. The other one didn't care about the woman, but they achieved the same result. Why? Because of perseverance. So there is something about prayer. I know that as, as um, uh, what do they call us? Um, Christ, Christocentric people, as Christocentrics, um, we are very, very particular about our identity in Christ. God answers our prayers because we are his children. But you need to understand something. 
Jesus is teaching you that more than your identity in Christ, there is something else that, that um, guarantees results in prayers, more than your relationship with God, and it is called perseverance. That a woman can go to an unjust judge and petition him for so long and see results. And one man will go and wake his friend up by 3 a.m. and see results. And both of them saw results, not because of their relationship with the person from whom they were asking, but because of perseverance. You must learn to persist in prayer. Jesus told a parable to this and men always ought to pray and not to faint. So Jesus acknowledges something important. That when it comes to the subject of prayer, there is also fainting. You will get tired. So when he said men always ought to pray and not to faint, he's not saying instead of faint, pray. He's saying in spite of your fainting, pray. You haven't learned to pray until you learn to defy your feelings in the place of prayer. Do you hear me? So we don't pray when the Holy Spirit prompts us to pray. Say, I just just woke up today and I just have this nudging in my spirit to pray. So I'm going to pray. That's nice. You ought to pray when the Holy Spirit prompts you to pray. But if your prayer life depends only on when the Holy Spirit prompts you to pray, you don't have a prayer life. You don't. Men always ought to pray. Praise the Lord. The first aspect of perseverance I want to talk to you about is tenacity. Grit. Pushing through even when you don't feel like it. Do you hear me? Let me tell you something interesting. Almost every Bible verse that you know on prayer mentions perseverance. Almost every Bible verse you know in the New Testament, that is from the epistles on prayer, mentions perseverance. Almost all. James chapter 5, verse 16, confess your faults one to another. Pray ye one for another that you may be saved. The Amplified says, the effectual, heartfelt, continued prayer of the righteous man. Did you see that? It says continued prayer. It must be continued. Did you hear me? It must be continued. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Very quickly. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Colossians 4, 2. Everybody read Colossians 4, 2 together. One, two, go. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. He says, continue in prayer. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. In fact, there's an entire verse that all Paul said was pray without ceasing. You haven't truly learned how to pray. Until you learn perseverance in prayer. I know, I know that you have seen spiritual people who pray a lot. And you've thought to yourself that, oh, this guy is highly spiritual. He is not. He is just the person that has learned how to pray. You ought to pray that way also. Praise the Lord. And I told you, don't be afraid. If there is a doctrine, it can be learned. If there is learning, there is growth. 
Which means if you are not yet persistent in prayer, you can be. The dictionary definition of perseverance is, um, let me see, is persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. That's perseverance. Persistence in doing something despite, do you know that there is, there is a dimension of faith that is defined as perseverance. For lack of a better word, I use the word dimension. There are no dimensions to faith. There is a way you will look at faith that the definition of faith will be perseverance. What was Abraham's show of faith? Perseverance. Who against hope had hope? Do you understand? Let me tell you something now. It doesn't matter what your excuse is. Persevere in prayer. Regardless of the validity of your, of your excuse, you must pray. But pastor, I'm very busy. God knows. See, God knows that you are busy. I agree with you that you are busy. You must pray. Because let me tell you another thing that you must learn. Principles are principles regardless of how valid your excuse is. Amen? Amen. Do you know what a leech is? You know what a leech is? Um, there's this thing. If a leech bites you or attaches itself to your skin, you can't pull it off. If you pull it off um, violently, you, you will injure yourself seriously. The best way to take a leech off is by putting fire on, your, on the leech. Is that correct? How many of you know that? Good. Thank you. Put your hands down. Now, when fire comes in contact with your skin, what happens? It burns, ba? Ah, so if you put that fire on the leech and somehow it touches your skin, will the fire say, no, 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 don't burn him, don't burn him. He, it's not like he was playing with fire. It's just, it's because of the leech. Like, will he say that? Principles are principles regardless of how valid your excuses are. So let me tell you another funny thing. The devil does not take into cognizance the fact that you walk in nine to five before he comes to torment you. He won't say that, ah, we would have come for you, but no more. You live in Lagos. You leave in the morning by 5, you return by 10 p.m. How can we torment this one? Leave him. No. He doesn't play fair. If you don't have a prayer life, you will suffer. Keep giving excuses. Keep giving those excuses. They are not, listen, they are valid. It doesn't matter. I heard an example just came to mind. I heard my pastor use this example. You went to the gym. Raise your hand if you go to the gym. Raise your hand. All right, put your hands down. You are wicked people. <laughs> the Bible, I can prove it from scripture. The Bible says the wicked man runs when no man is pursuing. So if you go to the gym and you are running on the treadmill, nobody's pursuing you, you are wicked. I'm just joking. But you, you went to the gym and it was leg day. Leg days are brutal. Very brutal. My worst days in the gym are cardio days. For obvious reasons. But leg days, leg days are brutal, right? So now you finish leg day, you come out and your legs are wobbling. It actually happens. And then you're about to cross the road and you see a lion right there, no cage, charging at you. You say, it's leg day now. Is that what you do? You will forget that you are tired. You remember you are tired later. <laughs> Right? Excuses might be valid, but it will not excuse you from the effects of your prayerlessness. 
Jesus told Peter, watch and pray that you may not fall into temptation. Many of you, the reason why those temptations, they have a chokehold on your life is your prayer life is not working. And you keep giving an excuse. Your excuse is valid. You are genuinely busy. You are not feeling fine. It's valid. But it's not going, the temptation will not say, hey, yeah, free him today. Amen. Jesus told a parable to this end that men always ought to pray in spite of fainting. If you only pray when you feel like praying, you don't have a prayer life. Because you will not feel like praying many times. Prayer is labor. Do you know? Prayer is labor. It's hard work. It's hard work for everybody, including me. Prayer is labor. It's hard work. Nobody really feels like working hard all the time. Praise the Lord. James chapter 5 verse 17. I already quoted this, but I want to show you something. James chapter 5 verse 17. I have a few more minutes so that we can spend some time praying. James chapter 5 verse 17. Are you there? Are you there? Alright, everybody, James 5 17 together. One to go. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and verse 18, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. He says, Elijah was a man subject to like passions. I like the fact that he said it like that. You know why? Because if he was subject to like passions, then all the excuses you have, he also had. Are you hungry? He was hungrier than you. Because many of you have never fasted 40 days before. The man fasted 40 days and went to go and pray that it will not rain. <laughs> he was hungrier than you. Are you tired? He was tired. Depressed? He was depressed. You know Elijah was a depressed person? At some point he told God, kill me. I want to die. Let me die. So when you say, I'm depressed, and listen, I'm not, I'm not playing down your, your mental health or your emotional state. I'm just saying they will not excuse you from the effects of prayerlessness. Praise the Lord. The funny thing is that many times prayer is a solution out of the problem. That thing that has kept you, that, that reason you are not praying, many times prayer is a solution to it. He says he was a man of like passions, subject to like passions just like we are, but he prayed earnestly that it should not rain. And the thing is, when you read James, you think what happened was Elijah just went one place one day. He just sat down, Jabada, Father, no rain, and then the rain did not fall. No. In fact, when you read First Kings um, chapter 18, you see the story. Elijah told Ahab, he says, go, because I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. There was no rain. Rain hadn't fallen for three and a half years. When Elijah said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain, he went to pray. 
I've told you before, doesn't matter how many people have prophesied over your life, if you don't want to prophesy, nothing will happen. If Elijah just told Ahab, I hear the sound of abundance of rain, go, and then he too, he now went home, the rain will not fall. Do you know? No, it wouldn't have fallen. Elijah went to pray. The Bible says he bowed and put his head between his knees. Many of you can't do that. He bowed and he put his head between his knees and he began to pray. And when he had prayed some, he sent his servant, Elisha. He said, go and check. What do you see? Elisha went and looked. He said, I'm not seeing anything, no. He said, okay, stay there. And he prayed. And the Bible says this went on seven times until Elisha looked and said, I see a cloud like the shape of a man's hand. He said, that's very good. Go home. Rain is going to fall. Many of you must understand that, you know, a lot of people have said, if you have faith, you ask God for something once, then you stop and say, thank you, Lord. That's not what Elijah taught us. Sometimes the balance of faith is persistence and perseverance. Do you get what I'm saying? God, I need a job. You, you pray. You send your servants to go and check. You don't have servants, so you go and check by yourself. You check your email address. There's no uh, offer letter. You check your physical email if you have that. No offer letter. You go to the post office, no offer letter for you. All right. What do you do? Oh, I don't know why he's not. No! You go back, you put your head between your knees. You go back, you check nothing. You go back until you see. You might just see a little, just something small. Someone will just call you. Send your CV. You say, okay, now, thank you, Lord. Because now my name has entered rooms that it wasn't in before. So now I'm seeing a, a small cloud like the shape of a man's hand. It's not the rain yet, but I can see it. So thank you, Lord. That's how prayer works. Some of you pray like you're cooking indomie. You put it on fire, two minutes later you bring it down. Just whisper something small. It is done. Thank you. What, are, what did you say? How long did you pray? Praise the Lord. Be like Elijah. Learn perseverance in prayer. Do you hear me? Learn perseverance in prayer. If it takes bowing seven times to pray the exact same prayer points, be tenacious. Keep at it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Keep at it. Keep praying. Keep praying. You see, there is... This is the front end. The back end is this. Many times, what you've prayed for has been given in the realm of the spirit. And that's true. But it will still take your prayers to get it to get to where you are. Imagine if Daniel stopped praying the first day. That angel that was released to bring his results, that battled with the prince of Persia for 21 days. The angel, Daniel stopped praying. You just leave the angel stranded where he is. Enter said that he, and Daniel is not praying again. Daniel is now there whining down. I prayed and God did not do it. Daniel kept praying. In this case, for 21 straight days till he saw a result. In Abraham's case, it was 25 years till he saw the result. Type your neighbor and tell your neighbor, pray. You must pray. You must pray. Do you hear what I'm saying? You must pray. I know you came for miracle service February, came for miracle service March, April, May, June, and you wrote it in your prayer request all those months, and you've not still seen it, and now you're becoming discouraged. Stop being discouraged. Instead of being discouraged, pray. 
Your discouragement does not bring results. Praise the Lord. It won't bring results. I want you to become so tenacious in prayer that the realm of the spirit, they know your voice. They know, your, they know what it sounds like. When you say, in the name of Jesus, he has come again. He has come again. Be tenacious. Pray. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. Are you there? Are you there? Everybody, Ephesians 6, 18 together. One, two, go. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all what? With all what? And supplication for all saints. Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Are you there? It says, rejoicing in hope, patience in tribulation. Read the, next li- the last line together. Everybody wants to go. Continuing instant in prayer. Praise the Lord. There is no biblical precedence for five-minute prayers. Do you hear what I'm saying? Listen, in your life, there are situations that 10-minute prayers will not be enough for. Do you hear me? You must make it. And listen, you know you are growing when you push the boundaries of your comfort in the place of prayer. So I do 10 minutes now. Okay, I want to do 20. Prayer is not easy for anybody. Let me tell you, it's not easy. Recently, we did a prayer vigil as a church. We had a prayer vigil. How many of you were there? Raise your hand. Okay, good. We had a prayer vigil. And I, I so before the prayer vigil started, the Lord told me he wants me to lead the full prayer vigil. I said, ah, God. I just finished preaching for like two hours. And it was a Sunday. So I had preached in the morning. Then I preached that evening, you know, before before we started praying. Then he now wanted me to lead the three hours of prayer. I'm like, God, I'm tired. I, I, just, I need rest. He said, I want you to lead it. So if you remember, I made an announcement that um, depending on how it goes, I will lead the first one hour of prayer. Then I will share it. It was because I, that was me speaking, creating an avenue to come out of what God asked me to do. Because I was tired. I just wanted to rest. I wanted to go and because when you're leading prayer, it's different from when you're praying on your own. When you're leading prayer, you have to lead with fervor. You have to shout. You have to, but when you're praying on your own, you can just put your hand in your pocket, sit down, and regulate your, fev- your fervor. Pray, shout small, just so that you don't slip off and come back. No, none of that. When you're leading prayer, go at it from the beginning till the end. And so, I started praying. And what I found is, the more I prayed, the more I had the strength to continue praying. So I had led, I think I only stopped leading for about five minutes when I went to ease myself and I gave Pastor David the microphone to just stand in for me for those five minutes. But I had led the three hours of prayer and gotten home before I now realized that my voice has cracked, my body is paining me. It was terrible. I mean, I slept, I just slept. 
right? Prayer is not easy for anybody. And while leading the prayer, at some point I had to remove my wristwatch and drop it and just pray. Because I just, I realized I was always checking my wristwatch. How long have we gone? How long have we gone? Raise your hand if you've prayed for one hour and then you checked your research and you realized it was two minutes. Raise your hand. Yes, it happens to every one of us. I mean, you can swear to God and every other deity available that I have prayed for one hour. What is this? Come on, five minutes. It's worse when you are fasting. You can, so you can sleep, wake up, travel and come back between 6 a.m. and 3 p.m. on a day that you are fasting. But let the fasting be over and let it just be the new week. You just close your eyes, open your eyes, it's 4 p.m. I wonder where did the time fly to? And why does the time not fly like this when I'm fasting? It's, it's difficult. And it will take discipline. Do you understand? But the Bible instructs us to continue in prayer. Many people don't like prayer Sundays in church. But those are the best Sundays, or some of the best Sundays. Every Sunday is the best Sunday. But prayer Sundays are better a little bit. It's true. You see, because prayer will build discipline in you. Ah, there's a way prayer will discipline you and grow you. Prayer will give you grit, stamina. Do you hear me? There are some things that the devil can't try with some people. He already knows that their prayer culture has already covered for it. Flies don't perch on hot food. Do you hear? Maybe, listen, many of us have word. We know word. We know doctrine. I mean, we sabi this thing. But that level of intimacy with God that you have sought, you haven't gotten it, you haven't seen it, because your prayer life is lacking. Because effectively, when you build a prayer life, you, you're praying to somebody, aren't you? So when you build a prayer life, you build a large communication base with the person. I told you the first area of perseverance I want to teach you about is tenacity. The second is volume. Two years ago, I was praying and the Lord showed me a vision. And what the Lord showed me was, he showed me what looks like a, a whole reservoir, like a tank in the floor. And as I was praying, it seemed like there was, it was raining or water was flowing into the tank. Liquid, a liquid was flowing into the tank. But what was flowing into the tank wasn't um, water, but rather it was some type of fuel, flammable fuel, like fuel, fuel, some type of fuel, something like fuel. What's that? What's fuel? F-E-U, fuel. So some type of flammable fuel was flowing into the tank. And the Lord told me that when you pray, what happens is, as you pray, you add a little bit more to that deposit of energy and spir like spiritual resources within you. You add a little bit more to that deposit the more you pray. And that's why it's easier for some people to come out and, you know, they can be playing one minute and then if something happens and they just switch and they are right there, ready to, to cast out devils and do. But it takes some other people a long time. The problem is deposits. Volume. It matters. Some situations take time to build. It doesn't matter how hot your gas cooker is. If you are going to cook beans, you must wait. 
Is that true? No matter how hot it is, it can't cook the beans in one minute. If you will cook it well, you must take time. So some situations, it doesn't matter how long you've prayed the first time. You must give it time and continue in prayer. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yes. So stop thinking that because you prayed all night about the situation, that one time you solved the problem. No, no, no. Do you hear what I'm saying? Some situations require volume. It's an area of perseverance you must, you must build. Volume. Praise the Lord. When you walk with the Spirit, there's a way the Holy Ghost will spread one prayer point across months for you. You will pray about it this one time. You've prayed, you've prayed, you've prayed. And then the Holy Spirit says, stop praying. And then he will bring it up again three weeks later, the next month. He will say, remember that thing we prayed about last month? All right, add now, add more to it. I want you to put more. You've prayed before, but put more firewood. Put more. Do you get what I'm saying? Put more. Because sometimes, what is the prayer you pray can only sustain you to a point. You need to add more. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Say volume. volume. Some things will take time. It will take time. And you must learn to give prayer time. This is why I'm not a big fan, and I'm, I'm going to teach this when I'm teaching priorities in prayer. I'm not a big fan of people who boast, I prayed six hours, I prayed 12 hours, I prayed, you're, it, you know it doesn't matter. If you prayed six hours for a situation that needed 12 hours of prayer, your, your six hours is not impressive. Do you know? So it doesn't matter. I, 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 I pray six hours every night. Congratulations to you. And that's okay. It's commendable. But as good as that is, instead of timing prayer, give prayer time. Do you know the difference? When you time something, you say, I'm going to do this thing for one hour, and when is one hour, regardless of where it has gotten you, you stop. When you give something time, you clear the time. You make time for it. You open up the schedule. Do you get what I'm saying? So if I pray and one hour after, I still feel the pull of the spirit. I stay there. I keep going. Do you get it? Do you, do you understand where I'm going to? If three hours I'm still there and the Holy Ghost is still pushing me, keep going. You keep going. You, you give, do you get what I'm saying? You give prayer time. Build volume. And then prayer will take consistency. I said this when I was teaching you guys at the prayer vigil. It is better to have a consistent prayer schedule that is not very voluminous than to have one voluminous prayer schedule once every two months. Pray 10 hours today, the whole day. You, everybody passing can hear you. Oh Lord, oh Lord. And you're praying. It's good, it's nice. Congratulations. 10 hours have passed. The next time you open your mouth and talk to heaven is in two months' time, three months' time. You are not praying, you don't have prayer life. Do you hear what I'm saying? You don't have a prayer life. I would rather that every day for 30 minutes, heaven hears your voice. Every day, thirty minutes every day, because here's the interesting thing: when it comes to development, consistency matters more than intensity. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? I taught you this when I was teaching you laws of, laws of success. When it comes to development, consistency matters more than intensity. I can go to the gym this one day, and that day I decide I'm going to die here today. So I carry all the weights in the gym from the smallest to the biggest. I run the treadmill at the highest speed with the largest inclination. I'm just going. I spent 12 hours in the gym that day. I'll still be a fat boy. I'll just be a fat, tired boy. If I will lose weight, I must do it consistently. Are you following? Uh if If you will build your prayer life, value consistency more than you value intensity. Do you hear me? Because the thing with consistency is with time, the consistency will build intensity in you. So I might have been praying 30 minutes every day, 30 minutes every day. There will be a day I'll finish praying 30 minutes and the Holy Ghost will tell me, are you not tired of staying at 30 minutes? Give it another 30 minutes. So now, I will now start one hour. But I've learned discipline because when I started 30 minutes, I almost died. When I, the first time the Holy Ghost told me pray 30 minutes as I was praying, by the time I passed five minutes, all the alarms in my body were going, warning, warning, danger, you will die now, stop, stop. And you pushed yourself. You kept pushing yourself. So that discipline you learned. When the Holy Ghost now tells you, oh yeah, pray one hour, you now, when your body starts shouting, warning, you now realize, ah, I know this thing, calm down. You will not die, let's pray. Do you hear me? Value consistency more than you value intensity. Praise the Lord. And the thing is, when you are consistent, you will build systems that allow, allow for success. So, many of you, because of consistency, you now know how to condition your body to pray. Amen. Amen. Have, you, have you ever entered into the place of prayer, but the prayer did not enter you? You sat down, you said, I'm going to pray. And nothing is happening. The thing is this, with consistency, you will learn how to trick your body into prayer. Some of you that know, that have a good prayer life, you know what I'm saying. You might be on your bed, you just start praying in tongues. Under your breath. Some of you, you know that no matter how much I pray in tongues, nothing will happen. But there's this particular song. Once I just hear it like this, it's like something in my head used to touch. Prayer will come alive. You will play that song. Then you start. And then before you know what's going on, your legs will start tapping. Your knees will start buckling. You are moving your body. And soon, a few minutes after, your bo- you are in the prayer. You are shouting, jumping up and down. And, and the thing is, if you are like me, when you are jumping up and down, your mind is not involved in the exercise. So your mind is now wondering what's going on. Why are we? What's happening? Value consistency. Do you understand what I'm saying? Value it. Can I challenge you? Don't miss a prayer time this month. This month. We have, as a church, we have three prayer times in a day. Three. 6 a.m., 12 noon, 8 p.m. Don't miss. And then minus the one the church is doing. Your own personal prayer, 30 minutes. Let me challenge you. 30 minutes. Your own personal 30 minutes of tongue talking. There might be no prayer points. That's fine. Just enter the prayer place and talk in tongues for 30 minutes. Those 30 minutes, don't miss it. Amen. Amen. Stop waiting for somebody to hold your hand and walk with you. When you were learning to drive, ride a bicycle, 
For those of you that know how to ride a bicycle, if, if your parents had the resources, they bought a, vehicle, a bicycle that had training wheels. Is that correct? They will buy a bicycle that has training wheels. And so the training wheels help you to maintain balance. And then you ride for a while. But it gets to a point where you've ridden for a while that they take off the training wheels and tell you, ride this thing. If you fall, you get up. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? So stop waiting. I know it's good to have prayer partners, and that's great. They are your training wheels. You must learn to develop a prayer life on your own. Praise the Lord. On your own, develop your prayer life. Start building it to something you'll be proud of. 30 minutes every day this month. Can we do that? Do you agree with me? 30 minutes. Don't, don't, I'm not going to call you and find out you pray your 30 minutes today. You can do that within yourselves and have accountability partners within yourselves. That's fine. But 30 minutes every day this month, you get into your prayer place. It doesn't matter how tired you were. You get back from work, you pray. It might have been a shitty day. Forgive my French. You pray. Do you understand? It might not have been the best of days for you. Guess what? You still pray. Because prayer is not for when it is convenient. Prayer is for every day. Do you hear me? It's not, for, it's not just for when it is convenient. It's for every single day. Have you learned something this morning? Thank you for listening. For more, head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.